And look, 2014, when people were just throwing social media platforms out there, Peach, the List yeah. app. Oh, yeah, Peach. Yeah, all of those things. I signed up for every single one of them. Me too. Too bad. Those were some glorious days. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing Martin McDonough's latest film, The Banshees of Inisherin. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what platonic acting duo do you want to see reunited? I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and my answer comes from Broadcast News, uh, titular, not titular, <laughs> famous, <laughs> yeah, the broadcast and the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I would love to see them reunited. To be, and, like, it's so- to be fair, if we had real broadcast news again, I would absolutely love that, speaking of election <laughs> week. <laughs> sure. Um, no, Albert Brooks and Holly Hunter, two of the best actors of this of their generation in a comedy together is fantastic and i want them back um as far as i know they haven't done anything together besides broadcast news but uh their chemistry there is just off the charts and i want more of it yeah and i love holly hunter i mean her in the big sick and Mm -hmm. in um succession just have been amazing how about you well so i am sandra omstutz i am in nashville tennessee and i'm just gonna go with the first thing that came into my mind And that was um, Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick. Um, They were originally in a movie that is not good called Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. It's just a bad comedy. They try their best, but they're not great in it either. Um, (laughs) And so you're like, wow, why is this what you want to see reunited? I think that they are actually very good friends in real life. And I love so much of their work individually. You know, like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of both of them and a lot of the projects they've been in. Um, Lucas and I were recently just gabbing about The White Lotus, and Aubrey Plaza is on the current season, and she's killing it. I yeah. love every scene that she's in. Um, and, yeah, I think and Anna Kendrick recently did that show Love Life on HBO Max that mm-hmm. I thought was really charming and interesting. Um, I think that they just both ha- – they do have great chemistry, and I would love to see them – in a project that is like worthy of them. I that sounds fantastic. I they are not people that I would have immediately put together. Um mainly because I haven't seen Mike and Dave need one dates. <laughs> but I I hear you and I would absolutely love to see them together in something. Yeah. Um well we're going to talk more about, you know, acting duos later on in this episode. But before we do that, I do want us to I do want us to talk about um what you're feeling this week, Lucas. Yes. Um, Well, I have a music recommendation for you, and if you hear that I have a music recommendation, and you guess that it's a uh, 20-year-old female (laughs) singer-songwriter, 
then you are probably correct. <laughs> so <laughs> this week, um, what I'm feeling is Lizzie McAlpine's n- new-ish album. It came out in, in April, and I am just now getting around to listening to it. Um, the album is called Five Seconds Flat, and it is fantastic. Um, she has been doing a lot of very folk, folk pop, singer-songwriter stuff um, for a long time. Um, but she really blew up by re- releasing a TikTok of her in her bathroom singing a song she wrote called You Ruined the 1975. You ruined the 1975. No one I, I liked her her previous album, which came out in August of 2020, but um, this new one is very, very good. <laughs> um, Five Seconds Flat is kind of, a, it feels like a collaboration album. It's a, kind of the first time that she's had, I think, a big producer um, with a bunch of people kind of helping out on the tracks, uh, collaborating on songwriting and stuff like that. And this feels like a very mature album. Um the song that really, I think, kicked it off for me that I was like, oh, I'm going to continue to listen to this for a very long time is a song called Reckless Driving, which is a duet between um, her and Ben Kessler. I don't love you like that. I'm a careful driver. And I tell you all the time to keep your eyes on the road. But you love me like that. You're a reckless driver. And one day it'll kill us if I don't let go. It's very good. I think in general, Love. she has a lot of like Taylor Swift vibes to her in the fact that like she that's her songwriting style. Um, she's very, very, she writes a lot of very catchy, a lot of very catchy hooks and I think has a very solid um, young female base. So that's Lizzie McAlpine. Definitely check out her new album, Five Seconds Flat. I absolutely will. I mean, I do feel like a lot of the emerging TikTok singer-songwriter girls mm-hmm. that, are, that are all, like, these these women that grew up listening to Taylor Swift and now, um, like, yeah, are, are following her footsteps in ways yeah. that I really love. It's, it's, I think it's really interesting, like, seeing the, the online generation become uh, famous because, like, Lizzie McAlpine has had a YouTube channel forever, and there's videos of her at 16, like trying to record songs in GarageBand and stuff like that out there, which I think is just very interesting to watch somebody progress like that in the public eye, um, even though she's just now kind of getting to that fame point, which is, I don't know, it's unique. Lucas, are you familiar with um, an artist named Maisie Peters? Oh, yes. Absolutely love Maisie Peters. There's so many of these, like, yeah, similar artists that I hear on TikTok, but I don't actually go and like find their music, Mm -hmm. even though I know their music from TikTok. And she is one that I'm like, huh, I actually need to like go and add her on Spotify because every time she comes across my feed, I'm so into it. Um, She also recently, there was some videos of her at one of her shows doing um, a a Dear John cover, um, which is just, I think, really appropriate for the moment right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, really cool. Maisie Peters is also a big movie fan, and so she puts a lot of movie references in her songs, which is fun. Um, yeah. But her album was actually my most played album on Spotify uh, last oh. year. So Yeah. Uh, well, I I'm, I'm cl- can't wait to listen to more of Lizzie McAlpine. Um, again, that name's – it really – 
clicks. So there's some there's a song probably somewhere in my Spotify history that like I'm positive, yeah. yeah. I listened to and loved. Um I've just gotta figure yeah. out which one it was. She's definitely been um, on my playlist in the past. Okay, yeah, I mean, maybe but, that's it too, because yeah. I'm a, I'm devoted to your playlist. <laughs> um they're always like when it's like oh i want to like put on music that seems cool but like didn't try too hard to like pull up a lucas playlist there you go <laughs> i wanted to tell you about something that i'm feeling this week um for the first time ever i watched notes on a scandal the Ooh. film from 2006 starring judy dench and kate blanchett yeah um my dear friend Carter has been recommending this, and we, we kind of had a movie night and watched it with a group of friends. Um, it was really interesting to watch this movie. I mean, 2006 was what? Like, oh, how, i got to do math now. How <laughs> many years many ago? Years 18 ago. years ago? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so to see, not that Kate Blanchett has, like, aged like drastically since then she still of course looks as stunning as ever but to see this like a truly fresh-faced Kate Blanchett um and the two powerhouses of her and Judy Dench like really taking on this film for anyone who's not familiar with Notes on a Scandal it's about two um English school teachers, um, one of whom is like a young first year teacher, very beautiful, Kate Blanchett, and the other one is Judy Dench, who's this like older spinster like character. Um, they form this friendship, and Judy Dench's character learns that Kate Blanchett's character is having an affair with one of her students, um, and that everything becomes you know very scandalous after that. Um, I loved this movie. I loved how fast-paced it was i loved how committed judy dench was to this like very intense character um i think it has quite a bit in common with the movie that we're going to be talking about later on in this episode which i found very very interesting that like i found so many similarities between the two you know by coincidence yeah um and yeah and it's just about like this intricate um friendship that um is 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 very twisted um and i again i just loved the idea the the character that judy dench played and i thought that this movie was really fascinating and that a movie from 2006 could be as like fast-paced and 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 grab my attention as much as it did I have not seen this, and I feel like I need to. It, I mean... Yeah, I think you would really like it. I have listened to the soundtrack so many times, because Philip, oh, that's Philip, the... Philip's Glass's uh, soundtrack to it is fantastic, but I've actually never seen that's the movie, so... The other thing, yeah, the music is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like, the movies, it, it really is so intense from the beginning to the very end, <laughs> and the music is a big part of that, and I just, like, yeah, I was so enthralled by it, um... Yeah, the, the music is like 40% of how good this movie is. <laughs> yeah, I'll check it out. Well, let's um, move on if you're ready to yeah. talk about the Banshees of Inisherin. Let's do it. saw this movie i had texted you and you never responded to this so i'm oh, I calling didn't. you out publicly on the podcast I'm bad at <laughs> that's okay um i'd asked i i told you that i had ne- i've never seen in bruges 
Um, <laughs> and so I was asking if I should watch that before I watch this movie. For those of you who don't know, this movie is made um, by, written and directed by Martin McDonough. And in Bruges, I don't, was that his debut or one of his, yeah. his big hit, you know, that also starred Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, just like this movie does. Um, so this movie is them reunited, the three of them, the two stars and the writer and the director. Um, have you seen In Bruges, Lucas? And should I have watched it before so you seeing didn't, this movie? Right? Well, tell me if I should have. <laughs> um, I... I didn't rewatch it beforehand. I have I have seen it. It has been a long time. Um, I remember it fondly, and I watched The Banshees of Inishirin, and then I said, should I have rewatched In Bruges beforehand? <laughs> and so I looked up the trailer online, and I decided, I'm glad I didn't watch In Bruges okay. beforehand. Got it. And so you've seen In Bruges, and you've seen three billboards outside of yep. Ebbing, Missouri, yep. right? Um, so going into this film, how did you feel about Martin McDonough's previous work? How did you feel? Were you anticipating the Banshees of Inisherin? Uh, big fan. I really, really enjoyed In Bruges. I, um, I would say I, I definitely really liked, uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It is one of the messiest movies I think that came out that year. <laughs> and yeah. was, I was very surprised that it got a Best Picture nominee. Um, but I think he is just such a good writer of um, relationships. It's a difficult thing to do. I think a lot of actors are not a lot. Uh, yes. A lot of actors want to work with directors like that. And he has been very specific about the people that he chooses to work with. Um, I don't know if you've seen his other film, Seven Psychopaths. Um, also a very I'm good not. film. I think the more he strays away from what he knows, which is more Irish and European culture, <laughs> um, the more... Uh, difficult it is to, I think, relate to his movies. I think there's just specificity of the things that he really understands and digs into with um, In Bruges and now Banshees of Inishirin, um that don't really come through in his more American movies. So I was very excited for him to kind of, it felt like, you know, returning to your roots. Um, and so I was heavily, heavily anticipating uh, The Banshees of Inishirin. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I've heard a lot of similar sentiments, which is that he's really great when he writes what he knows. And um, the only thing of his that I have seen before this was Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, yeah. And that was a movie that I did not like. Um, I think it is incredibly flawed. Yeah. But that I can acknowledge has a really great concept, really amazing, interesting scenes that I like. Found, I connected to, mm -hmm. but that as like a whole, I was not like on board. Yeah. Um, and so I, I didn't have the best relationship with his work <laughs> going into this movie. And I had heard, I've always heard that In Bruges is very good. And there was a part of me that thought, oh, maybe I should watch that before I watch this movie. Um, and I ultimately decided, I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch the Banshees of Inishirin, which I'm going to now just call Banshees yep. because <laughs> it's easier. Um, maybe I'll just watch Banshees. And if I really connect to Banshees, then I'll watch In Bruges also because, you know, it'll, it'll go on an upward swing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so so I, I, I did not watch it before I saw this movie. Um, and I, this, this movie was really kind of like a test. Yeah. Like yeah. this is me testing out saying like, am I going to be a fan or am I going to commit <laughs> to more from this creator ultimately? Um, 
I want to know, Lucas, how you felt about Banshees, this movie, which we should just say, um, I don't know actually how much you want to, people want to say about the plot, because I will say this is one of the few movies that I went into without seeing a single trailer or knowing anything about the plot. I I, um, I think I think we can we can say it's about two friends and Brendan Cleason's character deciding he doesn't want to be friends anymore. And that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is a very like far-fetched concept and also a realistic con- concept, you know? Um Yeah. And I, what way is it like I think on its face, how is it far fetched? On on the on the face, it's just like a French a friend that's just decided I actually don't want to be friends with you anymore, and I'm just going to stop being friends with you, and that that is that's it. That's the conflict of the movie. Um, feels yeah. like oh, you'd you'd never make a movie out of that. Also, that never happens. Um, but also, it does happen. It just doesn't happen on the you know. Um, I guess with the level of abruptness and intensity that, <laughs> you know, that happens in this movie. And I think uh, right. friendships fall apart all the time. People grow apart. People decide they want uh, different things out of life and kind of uh, go move in different directions. Um, it's just not usually so confrontational. And I think that is just a really interesting thing to explore. Um, I also think that looking into, I mean, this is set in, you know, 19, the 1920s. Um, and in Ireland on a small island and just the amount of people that you can interact with is limited. <laughs> and so right. um, I think in that situation also, it, it also raises the stakes is there are a few people on this island and now I'm no longer friends with this person. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it does a really good job of digging into their relationship and what it means to be friends with each other and also what it means to have a purpose in life. Um, I think that's something that I think both of the characters are struggling with. Well, actually almost all the characters in this movie are struggling with. Um, and I think it's very sweet and it is one of the funniest movies I have seen all year for sure. Um, my theater was laughing constantly during this movie. Um, I think it's also a a pretty depressing movie. (laughs) So for those two things to be, uh, intertwined like that, I think it is masterful filmmaking. Um, and I, I think I really loved this movie. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear you talk about like some of the themes of this film, because, That was something I struggled with, was, like, coming into this movie again, not knowing what it was about, Mm -hmm. starting the plot, I immediately was like, okay, so this is a movie about what happens when a friendship ends, not because of an event, but simply because one person decides they don't like the other person anymore. Um, And that is a fascinating thing, I think, to make a movie about. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this movie is... This movie isn't, turns out to me, not just about that. Um, but when it was just about that, I was intrigued. I, I There's a lot that I don't want to spoil about this movie. Right. But I will just say that overall, I think that this is a very, very good movie that I have such a strong distaste for. <laughs> I, th- I was very unhappy to be watching this movie. Um but I do think it's good. And I think that is just like me figuring out like this writer creator is not for me. There's a line that I just keeps bouncing around my head from Taylor Swift's latest album, which is I I may just be too soft for it. Like (laughs) I, I might not be like the kind of person that can handle movies that tackle this much like despair and repression. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe this specific type of despair and, and repression, you know, um, 
it was it, it very much did not work for me but there is so much about it that I found very moving very interesting I'm definitely gonna be thinking about this movie for a long time so I think it's worth seeing but it's I just think I know that now I'm not yeah. this, the right audience. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you also find it funny? There were parts of it I found funny. I think his humor is hit or miss for okay. me. And that like there, there are definitely parts of it that I found that really worked. Yeah. And other things that I think, you know, don't. Um, yeah. It, it, I would say it's like maybe a 60-40 a rate of me laughing 60% of the time. Yeah. At like the jokes that are supposed to be jokes. Got it. <laughs> so so there's that aspect to it. Um, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I will say there's something that happens in this movie. And before it happened, I said to myself, if this thing happens, I'm walking out of the theater. Oh. And then it happened. And I realized, well, we're talking about this on the podcast. So I can't <laughs> walk out of the theater. But if I if we weren't covering it on the podcast, Lucas, I, I would have walked oh out of the Oh my theater. gosh. <laughs> I just would have. And again, not even like outraged. Like I was offended, yeah. you know, like there are some people you walk out of a movie because right. it's, it's gross and offensive. But just like it's but like truly just, you now know that this is not the movie for you if this exactly. happens. Exactly. I yeah. would just be like if this happens, this is not the kind of movie I want to watch. Yeah. I, I don't want to spend my time doing this. And it, it's hard because by the time that the thing did happen, I was invested and so I was yeah. like, even if we hadn't been covering the podcast, I would have been torn. Yeah. Part of me would have been like, I know deep down in my gut, I'm not going to enjoy the rest of this film, but I'm also intrigued by what's going to happen in the rest of this film. So, um, yeah, I, I'm so mixed on it. I, I haven't been this mixed on a film that I think is good in yeah. a really long time. <laughs> well, I really want to start digging into what, what what you're saying right now. So before we move into spoilers, I do want to say... I think this is a fantastic Colin Farrell performance, and I think it's also a fantastic uh, Carrie Condon performance, who plays his sister. Um, she's really She's incredible good. in this. He's, I mean, Brendan Gleeson's also incredible in this, too. But I think particularly those two are the standouts for me um, in this yeah. movie. So um, I also want to note, so Barry Keegan is in this movie, and the moment he came on screen, I feel like there was a flutter in my theater of, like, oh, I, I was at, like, my indie theater, yeah. you know, of like all the people being like, oh, I love him, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't say it out loud to anyone, but I had that internal like, ooh, yeah. he's in this movie. Yeah. He's become like a, a new it boy. Yeah, I think he's great in everything. I think he gives me a little bit of just anxiety in any movie he's in just because he usually yeah. plays someone who's a little off, a little menacing. Um, so even in a role like this where he's not playing that, <laughs> he just has a little bit of an edge to him that uh, just makes sure. me uncomfortable and nervous in every, in every film he's in. So sure. But that's a me problem. Um, yeah. He's in the new Batman, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, he's in the, he's in the post credit scene of the new Batman. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, got it. That's yeah. got it. He's the joke. Um, yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah. That's what I yeah. thought. Um, yeah, he's like a new Timmy Chal Timmy Chalamet, Lucas Hedges, like come up. I think. Um, I don't see. I see those as like um, they are popular, fashionable, like young guys, and I don't see him in that same category. I see him in that same age range, but I wouldn't put him in the same category as. The I would two. put him in the same category as Lucas Hedges. Would you? Yeah. Would you put him in the same category as Paul Mescal? Um. No, I mean, just I, maybe age-wise, no. They feel so different yeah. to me. I, I think I'm, I'm thinking about him and Lucas Hedges and just that, like, 
they're the kind of young male actors that can lead a film, like you know they mm-hmm. can, but like that often are showing up in these supporting roles and these really yeah. interesting, cool movies. I mean, Lucas Hedges was in Three Billboards in a supporting role. Right. Um, and just like there are these powerhouse supporting actors that have the potential to be mm-hmm. A list stars, but like are choosing really interesting projects. I can, I can definitely see that. I definitely see them more as like very interesting actors around this age whereas uh i think i see timothy chalamet as more of like a hot new teen on the hollywood scene you know sure (laughs) right right yeah no no he's definitely breaking into like a different category um i think the young timothy chalamet is like what i picture lucas hedges and barry keegan are currently doing you know got it got it yeah um Okay, yes. Yeah, so I do want to. I want to talk spoilers as well. Is there anything else we want to get out before we move on? I don't think so. I love this movie. Okay. Um, you, <laughs> you would still That's recommend so many it. So complicated. Though. I would recommend it yeah, to certain yeah. people. Know what you're getting yourself into? <laughs> yeah, to very specific people. <laughs> Got it. All right. Yeah. Let's talk spoilers. Okay. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. Cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Was the walkout moment when he was going to cut off his finger, or when he was going to cut off additional fingers? <laughs> the the first finger. The first finger. Uh, when, okay. when he threatened to cut off the fingers, I said, "If he actually cuts a finger off, I'm walking out of this theater," because we're dealing with just like a completely different level of yeah realism it's a completely different movie if he's actually willing to cut off his fingers (laughs) right right but i do think it makes it a way more interesting movie i mean to me it doesn't (laughs) to me it makes it so much less interesting oh man um i think i would have been so much more interested in an actual like a more grounded realistic look at a male friendship falling apart Mm -hmm. than this like it felt melodramatic. It felt, you know, I didn't, I didn't like it. Yeah. To me, it felt like, I guess, an introspective look at Brendan Gleeson's character. Because I think up until that point, you think he's almost like he's being an asshole, you know? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, I can understand deciding, like, I actually want to do something with my life. I have however many years he says he has left. As, a, as yeah. you're getting older, realizing that I'm wasting my time. Why am I spending it with this person who is dull i don't like you know um when i could when i could be striving for better things like i understand that mentality but when you get to the point to because his excuse is i want to write music let's I, I want to spend my time writing music and it's like great but then when his threat is i will cut off my finger <laughs> and he follows through with it at that point you, i think you realize this isn't about writing music this is about the pain of depression it's not just I want something more with my life. It is, I am clinically depressed and do not have um, the means of dealing with it. And with the way that society is built, I have no way of talking this through with the only person who could actually help me with this, Mm. (laughs) which is sad. Yeah. I wish you had seen notes on a scandal because again, this has (laughs) so, there's so, it it has, it's tonally so different Mm -hmm. from this movie but has deals with so many of the same things of like, for me, here's where I think is you and I maybe be are differing about what this movie is about. 
In addition to it being about like a friendship falling apart, this movie to me is so much about just loneliness, just yeah. like cold, cold, hard loneliness, um, which Notes on the Scandal is also very much about. Mm-hmm. I was so much more interested in the Siobhan character and her dealing with loneliness than I was the Brendan Gleeson character. Yeah. Um, and I, I was just not interested in the Brendan Gleeson character really at all. And not because I think he was like mean either. You know what I mean? Like right. I just, I found him, I, I the, my favorite scene is when the Siobhan character says to him, like, you are also boring. Like yes. this, yeah. you're, you're not this fascinating person. <laughs> and my brother is dull. Like you are all boring yeah. because I, that was the one moment where I was like, I'm back on board with this movie. Like <laughs> at least, at least the movie knows that. Right. I mean, it putting the civil war in the background of it, of just like the meaningless conflict that happens between um, men, these men, you know, um, yeah. in general is completely outside of her control and also affects her <laughs> and, yeah. in a way that like feels incredibly stressful, but also, like you said, incredibly lonely. Um, and I, I, I agree with you that, that like her storyline, um, I think, is one of the more interesting parts of this movie. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take us on a little bit of a side tangent. Okay. So at the beginning of this movie, when it seemed to be mostly about what happens when two people are friends and one person just simply decides, I don't like the other person very much anymore. Mm-hmm. That is such like a painful way for a friendship to end because it's so hard to explain. Yeah. Like there's nothing more mean than like, I just don't like who you are as a person. I used to, and I don't, you know, like it's so cutting and brutal. And I think I'm fascinated by that as a conflict one, because I've been a part of friendships that have ended that way um, or or gone through struggles in that way. Mm -hmm. And then also because, and this is where I'm going to lose you for a second, but I do want to bring it up in case someone else is familiar with this. On the Real Housewives of New York City. You're the only person who's making a connection between the Real Housewives of New York City and the Banshees of Inisherin. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's like a, a one for one comparison. Okay. okay. Because I don't remember what number this of season it was, but it was over like several seasons. I want to say like, I don't know, nine through 11 or something like that. Um, there were two, I'll call them characters, <laughs> even mm-hmm. though they're real people. Two characters on that show, Bethany Frankel, who is this like, alpha energy person like one of the most famous housewives of all time um and carol radsowell and carol is a little bit more like submissive and a cool chick and um they had this like instant friendship like they're the two probably the smartest people on the show at the time like it's a bunch of these kind of like batty kind of wacky women and they're two of the like the smart women on the show um And they had this instant connection and like throughout several seasons, it was always like they would be this team, you know, on, on these reality shows, you got to have your alliances um, and your friendships that you develop. And then one season they were bickering all the time. And it became this like in how in reality TV and housewives, there's oftentimes these like um, duels, you know, between are you a team, this girl or a team, that girl, because they're fighting over something. And so it became one of those, are you a team Bethany or are you a team Carol? But unlike any other housewife, 
like breakdown. It, there wasn't anything that happened. There wasn't an argument that they had where it was like you have to take sides in an argument. Their friendship just started to fall apart because it became clear that one of them just didn't like the other anymore. And Carol didn't like Bethany anymore. And so to watch in real time a friendship fall apart in that way and you people are taking sides but there's really no side to take because no one did anything wrong and it's just so painful to watch two people who used to be deep friends like not be able to maintain that close friendship anymore i was so much more interested in it being depicted in by these modern day women like the complexities of that than i was in this movie to watch repressed men <laughs> try to work through those emotions, I find exhausting. Well, that's the, um, I do think it is a completely different. Like those two relationships falling apart is completely different when it's two women versus when it's two men, right. solely based on how people are brought up. <laughs> sure. Um, and I I would love to see that. I'm not signing up for the Housewives of New York. No. But I would love to see a version of this between women because I, I, right. I probably would find that more interesting, honestly. Yeah. I think that that is, was my biggest struggle getting into this film is that I – it was the the – again, the repression, the simplicity of their argument – um, it's painful, but it wasn't interesting enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie became more interesting when it became a little bit more about the Siobhan character, when it came, became a little bit more about how everyone on this, like, godforsaken island is dealing with, like, loneliness and depression in some way or another. Yeah. Um, and I, I give the film a lot of credit for all of that additional kind of world building that it it creates. Yeah. But yeah, the, but the core relationship between those two core characters, I was disinterested in. Yeah. I don't know how you come back from that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I do, it's hard. Like the movie was so beautiful to look at also. Mm Um, it made me want to go to Ireland very badly. Um, what are some other, so what are, what are some of the plot points that you were invested in or didn't, didn't work for you? I think for me, I was very concerned for Siobhan the entire time, um, and yeah. especially around Bar- Barry Keenig's character. And it's really – it has nothing to do with his character. It's just his him in movies. I'm like, oh, please don't make this go a terrible direction. It didn't. Yeah. It was fine. But I think I, I that just made me uncomfortable anytime they were in the same spot. <laughs> um, yeah. I think – but I think that was a good – I think that was a good, like, depiction of her feelings about, like, being on that island and the people who were there. And, I mean, it is uncomfortable. It's just not the uncomfortable that I was feeling. So, mm-hmm. um, I also really loved the comedy in this movie. I thought it was very funny and very – in a very, like, dry way. Um, mm-hmm. I my, – my entire theater laughed constantly during this movie. Um, it is absolutely hilarious. I think Colin Farrell – Colin Farrell's face – in this movie doesn't look like Colin Farrell. Like he looks, yeah. he looks, uh, dumber. He looks more yes. dumb than he does. Normally. He, had, he had a bad haircut, uh, the, which the haircut I think helps really sure. contribute, but also yeah. it's just the way he like holds himself in this movie. Sure. Makes him feel like a dull person, which is, I think, an incredible <laughs> feat for someone who looks like Colin Farrell. <laughs> right. So. The funniest scene in the movie for me was this conversation between him and his sister where he was like, 
where she was trying to convince him, like, you're not dumb, you're yeah, not yeah. dull. And, and and he's like, but who's second place? Yeah. Like, he's suspicious. <laughs> and because it's like, well, the, we all know the answer. Like, he's just figuring yeah, it yeah. out. Um, and those, like, those kinds of conversations, I, I felt like their relationship was just really well written um yeah for such a short time that i mean this this movie isn't super long i think <laughs> didn't feel super long it's under two hours it was, about tw- it was two yeah. hours yeah um but also siobhan you know leaves two-thirds of the way through the movie um and so i i just felt like their relationship was really developed well um and you feel the heartbreak when she actually leaves um that was the other thing like everything happened after she left yeah. was just like <laughs> It was so, like, again, I, that was a part where it was just like, I'm not strong enough to watch movies that are this sad. <laughs> I mean, truly kicking someone while they're down. Like, everything, yeah. everything just completely falls apart. But in a way that makes you, I think, understand why he got to where he gets to at the end of the movie, where he's willing to basically go to war. Yeah. Yeah, I really loved uh, the scenes with Colin Farrell and Carrie Condon th- as brother and sister, I thought were some of my favorite parts of the movie. I, w- I was heartbroken and, and really loved the scene with sh- the Siobhan character and the Barry Keegan mm-hmm. uh, at, at the, by the water when he asks, like, do you think you could ever fall in love with me? Yeah. And she says no. And um, he's like, oh, that, yeah, that, that's what I thought. And th- that scene is just so yeah. beautifully done and heartbreaking. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also really like the scene when she was getting mad at him at the dinner table and he said touche yes. and Colin Farrell's character didn't know what touche meant. And you're like, oh, and it was, no. It was right after they'd had the conversation about who's the dumbest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts on the the old woman. Um, I, I kind of was into yeah. her. The witchy vibes were fun. I, yeah. f- for me, I think that like she didn't bring a lot to the movie except vibes, you know, like the, just the, yeah. The feeling of this claustrophobic, um, almost like haunted island that they're on. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, in no way did I think like, oh, she's a witch. That's part of the thing. But just like, she's this weird old woman who is just, I don't know, a little out there and uh, just hard to watch. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I, I foolishly had at the beginning of the movie had this glimmer of hope that the Siobhan character and and then brendan gleason's character we're gonna have some sort of romance um Mm. that that did not come to fruition (laughs) um yeah i mean uh, i will say like i don't know i'm actually trying to think i don't know that i've watched i'm trying to think of what other irish media i've gotten invested in and the the most recent is dairy girls Mm -hmm. and a lot of the humor of dairy girls actually really the specific Irish humor of Dairy Girls matches with the Irish humor of this film. Yeah. Um, and more, mostly me as American being very, like, amused by the speech patterns of, like, yeah. you know, asking those rhetorical questions and um, repeating things over and over. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so it was, it was fun to visit that. Have you watched Bad Sisters? Oh, so I have started Bad Sisters, okay. and I know I'm going to – I loved yes. it, the first, I think, two episodes that I saw. Um, and I know I will love it, but I've kind of been, like, saving it yeah. to, to watch all at once. Yeah. It's very good, but also very yeah. Irish. So. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of what else Irish I've watched. I guess Normal People yep. I adored. 
Um, My beloved Sing Street, which I don't think really counts oh, yes. because it's a very different type of movie. But <laughs> sure, sure. Um, did you ever see Wild Mountain Time? Uh, no. <laughs> that movie. I see why people think it's bad, mm-hmm. but I loved it. <laughs> it's it's a weird movie, but I was very charmed by it. I mean, I would not count that as an Irish movie. I would count that as a movie set in Ireland. Is it set in Ireland, sure. right? I, I think it's set yeah. in Ireland. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think, is is Jamie Dornan Irish? I don't believe so. Uh, he is Irish. He's, I mean, he's he, Northern he, Irish, he, but. He is yeah, Irish. Nobody okay. else But Emily Blunt is, is not. Yeah. Emily Blunt is, and Christopher Walken are, are definitely yeah. not. Um, but I found it charming. Um, it was interesting to compare Wild Mountain Time to this movie and the things that like, it, clearly this movie is so much better in so many ways and but yet so distasteful to me <laughs> oh and how wild mountain town is like not as good of a movie but i found so much more interesting wow you've now compared yeah. this movie to wild mountain time which i think would get you banned <laughs> from ireland um as well as the real housewives of new york so yeah yeah and dairy girls i maybe i'm one for yeah, three yeah well you you said the com- the comedy was like dairy girls <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Some of it was. (laughs) Oh, man. I think that there's some, the part of the, for me at least, maybe I could be totally misinterpreting this, but some of the comedy is like uh, just funny pieces of dialogue, Mm -hmm. right? Funny instances. And then I do think some of the comedy is like, isn't it funny the way that we as Irish people speak, you know? Not like our accent, but like our turns of phrase. Yeah. Are re- you know the like, repeating the the multiple yeah. people in on a conversation? Just the indignant, right? <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, I inter- at yeah. least in my audience, like that is a definitely a significant part of what is making people laugh. For sure. Um, I don't know how an if if that is funny to an Irish audience or not. Like if if they're like, oh yeah, we do do that, or if it's just like that's par for the course. Right, right. And I mean the the yeah. way it's shot and the way it's written, it feels like Martin McDonald thinks it's funny. <laughs> so yeah, he I, at I, least thinks it's funny. It but I I would assume right. the Irish would as well. So. And I I feel like Dairy Girls did that as yeah. well. You know, yeah. um, it poked a, a lot of fun of its own culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I have much more to say about the movie. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't either. I mean, I I will just say that this movie, like, I came home and had to, like, sit with my thoughts for a while, which not every movie m- makes me do. It is definitely um, a sit with your thoughts kind of movie. And I will say, yeah. watching it with Rebecca, we got out of the movie, we went home, mm-hmm. and then when we got home, Rebecca was like, I did not like that movie. But also yeah. thought it was really good. So I think she's 100% on your wavelength for this. <laughs> so. That's great to hear. <laughs> it's not surprising. I, I was a little disappointed because I've heard just across the board great yeah. things about this yeah. film. So I just had those expectations and, and wanted to love this movie. I, I hear you. A movie that's like beloved critically and just right. doesn't hit the same way for you is extremely difficult. <laughs> sure. So. Sure. Um, but I, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I'll be in the know yeah. award season time. Um, Lucas, where can people find you online? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Uh, well, I'd say everywhere. <laughs> I'm technically still on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. see. How our days might be numbered. Yes. Um, there. Are you on Mastodon yet? Everybody seems to be jumping to Mastodon. <laughs> That's a great question. I was like, oh, of course I'll sign up for whatever the newest yep. thing is. And then the sign-up process, yep. you got to pick a server, and I immediately was, like, yep. out. Same. I, I did the exact same thing. I was like, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> like, no. And so we, I'm like, we just got 
we gotta all migrate to something yeah. that is a little bit more user friendly. Like I don't need it to be super dynamic. Uh, or if there's just clear you. expectations for Mastodon of like what server you're right. supposed to join. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, clear instructions. If, you know, if I went, I went to film Mastodon, whatever. There's no one there, so I was like, I don't know. There's not a server for me to sign up for yet. There's these yeah. categories, so I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how to use the internet now. Is where I'm at with my life. So. My pitch <laughs> is that we all go back to Tumblr. Oh my gosh, Sandra, that's not this. Ugh. Let me tell no, you. Here's the, the thing. thing. <laughs> Tumblr could be the new Twitter in that, like, the functionality was there. You know what I mean? No. No. I, I mean, yes, I do. I get it. But no. I'm not saying culturally yeah. or the, the community. I'm just saying like the, <laughs> the, tu- like the, like the functions of an yes. app, it has what we like, like about that Twitter. That, that we don't like or that, that, is, that Instagram can't recreate. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's microblogging is what yeah. it is, which is what Twitter was yep. pitched as. We just need another – it doesn't have to be Tumblr. It just needs to be something similar. I've been kind of depressed about like Twitter has been such a major cultural, you know, thing in our lives that like has just impacted all of us. Um, There's so many thinkers and writers that I only know of through Twitter. And I'm like, if we all fall away from this app that is dying by the day, um, like, where am I going to find these people? Like, am I going to have any of those like thoughts in my head anymore right. you know i i have learned so much about the world through twitter 100 <laughs> percent me too it's, it's as sad as this is to say i love my twitter <laughs> like exactly. i get that twitter is bad in general but like you ever you go create your own twitter you know like f- you follow people you decide what shows up in your feed the thing, yeah, that has always been something that i've said is that like i do think twitter and a lot of other social media platforms are bad for like people with huge platforms that receive all this online abuse and like um that get like bombarded and bullied on these platforms i do think that like there's something needs to be done about that but for the average everyday person you and i you know we have a couple hundred followers less and less every day (laughs) exactly you create your own ecosystem And I've never, like, had a problem with Twitter. You know right. what I mean? It's just sad, though, that, like, it's yeah. falling to pieces. Yeah. I just – I'm just waiting for someone to just announce this is where we're all going and I'll be there. <laughs> so Right. And it's like, yeah, I'm happy to follow these plate people yeah. to these different places. But let me tell you, the, the email newsletters are not No, like, that's what everybody keeps saying. They're like, oh, I guess join my email newsletter. <laughs> and it's, like, it's – I'll do that for a select yeah. few. But I can't no. – I can't go to my email when I want a break from work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I need a place to go Again, to. Again, I want microblogging. I don't want a exactly. real blog. <laughs> right. So. Um, and, and Instagram is just not text-friendly. No, not at all. Like, yeah. Yeah. I need a place – Here's let me. Here's my my favorite thing to use Twitter for, is after I've finished watching a TV show or a movie, and I want to hear people's thoughts on it, I will search the name of it and then filter only the people I follow. And so I just see nice. every tweet from people that I follow yeah. about X TV show. Yeah. When I watched like Insecure, like mm-hmm. kind of late. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, let me go back yeah. to like when it was Insecure premiered and catch up on all the tweets that I didn't get. It's the great, I mean, <sighs> there's nothing else like it, really. <laughs> I know. 
I know, I know. What are we all going to do? Thank God we still have Letterboxd. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> that hasn't been taken over by the trolls yet. Yeah. Watch. Uh, Elon Musk announces that he bought Letterboxd tomorrow, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of Letterboxd and where you can find yeah. me <laughs> on the internet, um, I'm on every social media platform at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And thank you all for listening. Yes. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.